Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Talking City podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm this week's host, Rich Fay. Delighted to be joined by Joe Bray on this podcast. On today's show, we'll bring you the latest on Erling Haaland's injury. We'll look ahead to City's dead rubber in the Champions League. But first, Joe, how are you doing? Uh, yes, not too bad. Yeah, it's a long day, long trip to Luton. But uh, City got the win and they just needed to do it. We said last week um, on the podcast, they just need to do it whatever means possible um, and they did that it didn't all go the way because they fell behind but we didn't get the sense that it was as bad as when they fell behind against Leipzig for example or Aston Villa then, then we knew there was a way back um, Guardiola was calm apart from when he was berating the fourth official um, and they did exactly what they needed to do but when you're arriving at Kenilworth Road and you're hearing the rumours that Haaland might not be there and he might be injured and then he doesn't turn up and then you hear that he's going to be out for an undisclosed amount of time, he starts to think, okay, what, what are they going to do when they need a win? But I'm sure we will discuss they actually looked quite balanced. Yeah, I, mean, I suppose, what was I mean, what was it like going to Calworth Road then? I mean, off mic, you've already said that maybe they wouldn't be missed if they ever left the Premier League loop. And I mean, I think from a neutral football fan's point of view, it's always nice to see someone who upsets the sort of glossy Premier League package and they're not this glamour team they've not got a swish new stadium they've still got the core of their championship squad some unglamorous players in there you've got Townsend at Barkley I thought was brilliant for their for their goal as well another unfashionable manager it was one year since he took over the, the City game I think his first game was against Borough a year ago this weekend what was it like what was Luton like because we've all seen they're just the cheap, easy natives. Sorry, producer said before you don't want these. Of this is the away end at Kenilworth Road. We've all seen all the temporary new stand and stuff. What was it actually like to to go to? Yeah, I kind of did say that off camera, but more in the sense that my Wi-Fi died two periods one the five minute period where City scored two goals and the other at full time and that wasn't ideal uh, we got the fans right on top of us right behind us shouting this that and the other and uh, calling City all sorts of names and uh, you felt like you were really really in the crowd um, luckily we were in the main stand and not the new one where the press box is sort of open to the elements on the top because the rain was coming down quite heavily at times but um, no it was it was what it is. It's a League One ground in the Premier League, but that's the story of Luton, isn't it? They've come up from, they've gone League One down to the conference and back again. Um, they were singing before kick-off conference champions. You'll never sing that. And a couple of us were saying, "Yeah, oh, well, you never know with the with these charges. City fans are singing about going down and with billions in the bank. So maybe that'll be a, a little rivalry that they can create in the in the future." Finally, City was old and once again as what we all dreamed of, isn't it? That. Um, one thing that, I mean, we'll talk about the game in general. One thing that I did find a bit rich, listening to, watching it on TV myself, was when City, obviously this is jumping the gun a bit, when City had turned it around and the chant from the home fans then was 2-1 to the referee, which again is very League One, you know, shows that they haven't left that behind. It was a game though where, we said on last week's podcast, 
in my anti-VAR sort of rant that look these things bounce themselves out referee plays advantage yeah. goes City's way this time what did you make of of that incident in particular because like I said we were quick to berate the officials against Tottenham for not playing advantage this time they did it goes City's way do you think that it's the Alvarez one yeah yeah well, it clearly hits his face, doesn't it? Yeah. It's, it looks looks for all the world like it's hit his hand, and you can see why all the Luton fans would get up. But VAR takes one look, and it's it's a goal. And yeah, there was a few incidents. Luton fans were furious and thought the referee was completely on City side. If you go on Twitter and social media, City fans think that the referee was awful in Luton's favour as well. So surely that means the referee's had a decent game if he's upset both sets of fans but I think there could have been a potential red card when VAR checked was it Brown on on foot yeah. and sort of jumped in a bit it's one of those again where you watch it, it, way, was, it he probably deserved a yellow card yeah when it it's the way the sort of you naturally think when you see the two foot go in there yeah. that oh god that's definitely a red card but when you actually do actually slow it down this time you see that one foot comes down first and then the other one's slightly folded. It's not as if it's two-footed. Yeah. The first one's planted, then the second one. I, I can see why they've not pulled it back as an yeah. obvious error for a red card. It was probably worthy of a yellow card, but VAR can't give that, so... Yeah, not clear and obvious. So, yeah. again, good to see VAR in that usage. I don't think the referee had a bad game. There was a the couple of foul throws that Sissi weren't happy with. Yeah. I think, I think Guardiola said after the game that he was arguing with the fourth official because of added time. So, Luton scored in extra time in the first half and then nothing was added on so he wanted a bit of time added on yeah but I suppose that's why he's he's a top manager because he wants he's always in the referee's area isn't he and always wants those little gains City going 1-0 down you had did you, did you have those seeds of doubt in your head thinking oh god here we go again Pep's never gone five consecutive games in a row without a winner as your career this could have been that. that that was the only point I asked when was the last time City have gone yeah. five games never without a win in the Premier League 2009. Oh, City themselves, yeah. City, not Guardiola's Pep. never done it. Um, I didn't think they were playing that badly. Compared to Villa, they went behind and they went in 1-0 down. Yeah. And you thought, Villa were by one of the better teams at first half. Yeah, like yeah. Luton, I can't think of any other chance they no. really had other than the goal. It, it was like a cup tie mm. where a smaller team at home made loads of noise, defended deep, got a bit lucky with a couple of chances, get a goal on the break and then try and see it out, which we've seen so many times. And then City just used their experience. But compare it to the Villa game, the two midfielders, two defenders City had going forward into midfield were Stones and Akanji. Neither of those two played at, at um, Luton. Rico Lewis was on the bench. Julian Alvarez, who was didn't really do well coming back into midfield at Villa, he had to be up front, so he wasn't there. So it was an entirely different midfield. You had mm -hmm. Rodri and Kovacic and Bernardo, who instantly make everything so much more controlled. Grealish is back from suspension. He can keep the ball, which is when, you, when you're against a team like Luton who are defending deep, you just need to keep the ball and keep the ball in that area next to, next to the Luton goal. Phil Foden looked really, really good at number 10. So there was, a, there was such a better flow in the midfield towards the attackers. Um, and I think that just made City just more confident and they knew they'd get the goal and turn it around at some point and when they did get it they were ruthless and, and got two and then saw it out fairly comfortably yeah it's kind of what we see City at a best isn't it that as soon as they score one they yeah. can immediately get a second and you always sense that oh, if Luton keep up one all now then it yeah. could get to those closing moments but in the blink of an eye you know a fan could easily go on to get a pie and they come back yeah. and miss two goals it was that quick game from City it was that that, that quick one two that they're so good at is there not then 
I mean, do you think you've seen enough to suggest City will now go on one of these runs? I know a lot of the reaction from City's win has been, look, they've had their blip now. Mm-hmm. This is going to be, I mean, Pep's comments pretty much was that you need a punch in the face sometimes. You just need to have that complacency knocked out of you and realise, yeah. God, we're in a title fight now. And we so often see City at their best when they've got a proper challenge, you know. They, 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 the 100-point season was incredible, but it wasn't City at their best playing their best football because it was a bit too comfortable at times. We need to see City vulnerable for them to, to be at their very best it's that sort of fight or flight from, from them do you think now that City could embark on another one of these ridiculous runs where they don't lose again until March or April or do you think that there are still some concerning sort of elements with their performance and obviously the injuries are going to play a part in that I think yes to both because if you look at City's fixtures they don't play anyone they play one team above 11th now I think given that Chelsea have slipped down with another defeat Newcastle is the only team in the top half now that they play. And they look beatable as well, don't they? And they're, yeah, very beatable. Um, they only beat City 1-0 in the Carabao Cup and City were a much changed side. Um, and uh, now they've lost a lot of injuries. They've got Belgrade in the in the Champions League they make loads of changes. They might not win, but it doesn't matter. Um, they've got Huddersfield in the Cup. I think they can go on a run until they face United in March, first weekend in March, where they've not really got so anyone who will really test them but at the same time they weren't at the best against Villa against Luton sorry they were just better and they were more balanced and the midfield was so much more controlled we know Guardiola loves the control um, so yeah I think there is still room for improvement but when we go to the press when we went to the press conference on Friday and Guardiola says they were acting like a cat and they needed a shake and then in the embargo section he says they needed a punch in the face I think that's all true and it's quite interesting for him to go from, yes, I think we're going to win the league if we play like that, to saying a month ago, I thought we needed a bit of a shake, which mm. is, a, it sort of tallies a little bit with what he said last year against Tottenham, the happy flowers stuff, the complacency. He made it clear it wasn't about complacency this time, more just that they need to know what it's like to know how difficult it is to beat these teams, to go then again, a bit like you said there, that they are used to winning. It, mm. It's human nature to think, well, we've done this, we can do it again. But yeah, the, the top of the Premier League this year is quite unpredictable. So I think City need to uh, needed that wake-up call a bit and they're probably helped by Arsenal going to Villa and, and losing. So they would prefer that result than Arsenal winning because I think they would probably expect Villa to fall away. They might not, but they probably will. Um, so uh, yeah, I think it's been a, a good week for City to back up what Guardiola said and just go back to basics really against Luton they weren't flashy but are you ever going to play your best at a ground like Kenilworth Road where the fans are on top of you it's small it's it, the pitch looked okay but it's, it's just one of them where yeah. it's, it's raining it's swirling it's it's all the ingredients of an upset so City just have to do what what they had to do which was to win and they did it yeah like you said there it's like a, a cup game wasn't it yeah. and it's justified the means of how you play as long as you get the three points that's all for part one of the Talking City podcast join us after the break where we'll take a look at Erling Haaland's injury Welcome back to the Talking City podcast from the Manchester News. So, Joe, you mentioned there earlier in the podcast that there was no Erling Haaland at Kenilworth Road. Those rumours sort of circulated an hour and a half, two hours before kickoff. What was that like? Because, again, behind the magician's cloth, your editors, the desk, will be saying, there's rumours of no Haaland today. How would you chase that up? How, how do you, as a journalist, sort of then turn that into a story? Well, it's, 
it's tricky when City don't say anything mm-hmm. because they're not going to say anything because Luton will be preparing for Erling Haaland's play. So City won't want anyone to know. And yeah, slowly before kickoff, it came out that he probably was going to be missing. They arrive about 90 minutes before kickoff and that's when we know he's not there. Um, I spoke to someone at City just before they arrived and said, oh, is Erling here? And, and the answer was wait and see. So even that five or 10 minutes, they're not giving anything away. Um, but I suppose there's some sort of advantage there that if you keep the opposition guessing for as long as possible um, and when we know that Erling Haaland isn't there, then Guardiola can come out and say, yeah, he's, he's got a, a bone stress reaction, I think he said. Um, so it's but, something that sounds like it's been there for a few weeks maybe under the surface. Right? Yeah, well, he missed, he missed a game for Norway against Scotland, yeah. which we thought was his ankle, but I think the quotes from the Norway doctor were like, it's it's his foot. So there's clearly something going on. I mean, it might be a different foot. I'm not entirely sure. He's got two feet. Yeah, famously, uh, Erling Haaland has two feet. Um, exclusive, there you are. Yeah, um, and that's not a medical professional either. <laughs> I mean, that is, that's just footballing insight from Joe Bray. Uh, you've thrown me off there. Um, but yeah, you would, you've just got to sort of wait and see, unless you have a phone call to, to Erling Haaland himself, but they, they try and keep those things guarded. So they've got to work out how to play without him now. They probably don't want to risk him because if you rush him back and and then aggra- aggravate it, they yeah. saw doing that with John Stones, Kevin De Bruyne. Um, they don't want to do that. So, and as you said, now what's so interesting, I think, for me in, in terms of the Haaland injuries, you, you mentioned there that they've got quite a favourable schedule for the next three mm-hmm. months. Like I said, it's not until United in March that they need to. You wouldn't say need to have a big performance against a big team in there, but they have now got the Club World Cup, and it's a trophy City have never won. It's mm-hmm. a chance to have that badge on their shirts I think is it only in cup competitions you can have what we can have it in some of the Premier League games I can't quite, sure. I remember there's some quirk yeah. um, Gumba I think when Liverpool won it last there was some sort of rule change they had to apply for but City will want to win that they will want Absolutely. to be the best club in the world there it is we sing it every week we've got the evidence we've got the crest we've beaten yeah. every possible challenge in hell not just Europe we've beaten the whole world uh, Holland can't really be risking that. Obviously, De Bruyne might be back for some of those games. He might just be there to help shift some more We're not expecting De Bruyne back. No. But that's a big blow for City, isn't it? To go into this competition, to, to claim themselves to be the best team in the world and their two extraterrestrial talents aren't there. And you think for Ireland, he's struggling to play at a World Cup or a Euros because of Norway's form. Mm. I think it's until 2026, 2028 that his next chance might be to play at a major tournament. This is probably one that he wants to put his stamp on, even though it's not a, the sort of the most prestigious tournament. It does. Well, mean we saw this year, didn't we? That he was, let's face it, he was robbed of the Ballon d'Or because he wasn't at an international tournament. Yeah, and he won't get that opportunity in the next two years. Yeah. So, for Haaland to have a Ballon d'Or stake next season, well, he's got to score as many goals as he did last year. He's got to win nearly as many trophies, or certainly excel in the Champions League, excel in the Premier League. And then you probably do need to win something like the Club World Cup to re- re-emphasise do you, that. Do you rush yourself back to, exactly. win, to win a competition like that where you're not essential for yeah. and then risk being out for a couple of months when you might drop points in the Premier League and lose the title or you might get knocked out of the Champions League? I don't know. I, I would guess that they play the long game and, and don't risk yeah. it. I've, I've said on the podcast last week that I would have thought it's time to give Julian Alvarez a rest. I think he's, he's been playing. He's had about three weeks off in almost two years. Um but maybe what he needs instead is a run up front on his own um, instead. 
So Can we forget how good he is as a striker, don't we, Alfred? Because he's he is this little yeah. Swiss Army knife who'll play anywhere, excel anywhere. I mean, he's always the support actor, really, isn't he? Yeah. It is about time that he gets. Well, it's interesting because after the game, people said, oh, he didn't have the greatest game. But I saw him so much more alive than he has been recently. Like that number 10 position, he was really good at the start of the season, mm. linking with Foden, linking with Alvarez, and then it sort of waned a little bit. Maybe it's what Guardiola was saying that everyone needs a shake. Um, so maybe Harlow's injury can do that, especially for Alvarez, because he can never make those runs behind the defence because Harlan's doing it. That's exactly what Harlan's so good at. Um, he was doing that against Luton and we saw that where he set up Jack Grealish for the goal. Um, I think Foden as well in that pushing up into the number 10 position. He's got two good midfielders, three good midfielders behind him so he can afford to just play on the turn and, and make those runs as well, which again, he won't be able to do with Harlan. So um, I saw those two players without Harlan might quite might have a bit of fun. Yeah. Well, there's an opportunity, isn't there? I yeah. mean, what was so perverse last season was that City was sometimes being brandished a one-man team. Yeah, yeah. Well, that man's not there and the second best guy's not there either. Yeah. So it is a chance and incentive for the likes of Foden and the likes of Grealish, Alvarez, to say, look, we, we are world-class in our own right. Yeah. These guys take all the plaudits rightfully because they are just on another level, but we are still exceptional. I suppose... I, again it's a lazy stereotype that City have this incredible squad depth but what they do have is just a very solid core of players yeah yeah and versatile that's what they need to show yeah. in a couple of weeks isn't it yeah they could go and win the Club World Cup without the two best players which how many other teams could do yeah. that yeah and again every football ma- football fantasy football manager's nightmare is <laughs> you don't know which City players going to stand out yeah. next few weeks which City player do you captain I mean, who's going to be the standard? We wouldn't be surprised if one game Doku scores another hat trick, yeah. one game Foden gets a hat trick, there'll be a game where Grealish gets one. You know, that is the frightening possibility. I suppose that's the challenge now that these City players, look, come January, February, two of those starting attacking roles will be gone because Harlan will be there, De Bruyne will be there. Now the challenge is who's going to be the other ones? Mm-hmm. I suppose that's the incentive, isn't it, to, to see who can make a case of them to be in City's best attack. And you'd probably look at Foden and Alvarez as probably the ones that drop out of that because you've got Grealish and Doku on the on the left fighting for that place Bernardo probably fits in on the right maybe he comes in midfield with De Bruyne but yeah you probably look at those two how however good they have been they, they might be the ones that that drop out but I think when De Bruyne comes back they've got to ease him back and not expect too much too soon maybe the same with Haaland if he, if he has any longer period out we know Doku is out for maybe another week or so you, you don't risk any of those players in in Belgrade, Belgrade for example. Um, so it's yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be down to the players who were at Luton to to continue and and just try and just get take it game by game in the next couple of weeks and get to the club World Cup and see what happens. The two goals at Luton scored by Bernardo and Jack Grealish, both of them on route PLC's Man City Footballer of the Year shortlist. You can vote for that. Maybe the link will be in the description below. If not, you've thrown seven other jobs to do. That gives them, keeps them busy today. If not, find it on the Manchester News website. There will be a standalone article listing the candidates and you can vote for your Man City player of the calendar year. Do you have a standout candidate yourself, Liz? Well, we've discussed this and the footballer of the year is obviously Erling Haaland. And then last week, Rodri's absence gave us a chance to say, well, actually... He Which is, is so he is so important. Yeah. So I'm quite glad that Bernardo and Grealish scored because they're the other two players that I put on that short shortlist for having good seasons. Where they're probably not City's best player of the year, but they've had really really good calendar it's, it's years. It's always been City's problem, hasn't it? That every successful Guardiola season, 
they've had too many good players yeah. that they then lose out in player of the year usually to a Liverpool player yeah. even though they finished 20 points below them it's because well Salah was their stand-up player yeah. but for City it's so difficult to pinpoint mm -hmm. one yeah. amazing player which again is testament to Haaland that he was by far away that this season but it's, all, it's just always been that quirk of City hasn't it that they just never some of their players don't get the recognition they deserve because it's much harder to stand out in the Man City team I think Bernardo is a perfect example of that because He's played right mid, defensive mid, attacking mid, left back this season, left wing. If he's on the wing, he either stays wide or he can come inside and play as another number 10. He's probably played more positions than anyone else, I would guess, in the Premier League. And he is a sort of 7, 8 out of 10 every time against Lewis. I, I literally can't remember a bad Bernardo game, no. really. He wasn't great against Aston Villa, but yeah. no one was. Yeah, um, But even then, he wasn't shockingly bad. Yeah. He was just... He was, he was so important in that run at the end of the season where they overtook Arsenal and got to the Champions League and FA Cup finals on that right wing. Um, not as an out-and-out -out winger, but just being there and keeping the ball and making things happen. Um, I don't think City would have won what they won last season without Bernardo being there. And also you've got to think when they didn't have a left-back, he was filling in. wasn't amazing, yeah. but he was there and... In, that yeah, speaks a lot of his mentality yeah. and attitude as well, doesn't it? Because a lot of players would kick up a fuss. Yeah. Especially someone like him. Bernardo has the talent and the ability to be a diva and be a superstar, yeah, yeah. but he doesn't. And that is, I suppose, the biggest testament. To and someone. he's wanted to leave for quite a while yeah. for personal reasons, which is fine. But whenever he's not left, he's always just been a consummate professional. Just gets back on with it. Gets which... back on with it, puts in incredible performances and wins more trophies with City. And you can't fault him at all for that. It'd be interesting to know who sort of Pep's player of the year would be yeah. if he did his own award. I bet it would be someone like Bernardo or, I mean, it's Pep, he'd probably go for like Ortega or someone. Wouldn't yeah. he? I mean, he'd go, Scott Carson. Yeah, good, very wild card. But I mean, that's that's the beauty of City's problem, really, isn't it? That there are too many good players to, yeah. to pick out one. Um, that's all for part two. Like we said, the link will be in the description below so you can vote for your own City fan player of the year. We will be back in part three to look ahead to City's trip to face Red Star this week. Hello, welcome back to the Talking City podcast. Once again, as we do every week, apologies if you can hear some building work going on outside. It's exceptional timing from Reach Peel City to really ramp up the industrial work whenever we record a City podcast. Joe, Red Star away this week, a dead rubber, City already through, already top of the group. Lots of changes expected. What what are you expecting from, from this game yourself? I mean, the difficulty, I suppose, is that it wouldn't be a disaster if City didn't win, but given what's happened in recent weeks, mm. they will want to win and they want to get that momentum going again. It's tricky, yeah. If they don't win, it's, what is it, two wins in six or seven and it, it adds to the bad run and the, the narrative. But you don't want to be playing your best players because they're going to be needed in the next few weeks and over Christmas. Um, you want the likes of Kovacic and Nunes, maybe even Calvin Phillips to, to get some minutes. Sergio Gomez... Rico Lewis, Oscar Bob, you can see all those players playing, but when you play them all at the same time. That's when problems happen, isn't it? At, at a place like Red Star, and I think they need a result to potentially still have a chance of staying in Europe after after Christmas. You can see those sort of inexperienced players equaling out the the Red Star. So yeah, it's it's gonna be a really interesting team sheet, but I wouldn't risk the likes of especially Alvarez, who's now gonna be needed quite a lot. 
Diaz has played a lot, so you'd probably bring in a Kanji. Who are you most excited to see then? Who are you expecting a big game from? I mean, we I can see Oscar Bob starting, and it will be interesting for him in a sort of really harsh environment to see what he can do and where he plays. I think, especially after what Pep said about Calvin Phillips this week, he said, I struggle to see him. Yeah, when, when he says he envisages the team. team. I mean, what do you make of him? Because obviously, there's the elephant in the room that there's now rumours suggesting they could try to swap sides mm-hmm. to the other side of Manchester. They obviously courted him before he went to City. He was one of their top midfield targets at that time. Can you still, could, you, could you envisage City selling Calvin Phillips to United? Do you think they would rule that out on principle? Or do you think that they'd say, look, Pep, Pep, I think when Pep talks about Calvin Phillips, he almost feels like he's let him down and not giving him yeah, what he promised he him. He apologises, yeah. yeah. I, I think it's becoming apparent it was, it's just not working. Yeah. Um, but do you think that City would stand in his way? If Man United I, I don't, made I don't think, Calvin Phillips. I don't think they would stand in his way to leave. And I think... Even if it was Man United? I think the United thing is different. I think they have the long-standing policy of if a player wants to leave, they let him go. And they let, they offered him a loan in the summer and he, to his credit, said, no, I want to stay. Um, he didn't get the games after Rodri was suspended and then changed his tune a bit and said, well, actually, if I want to make the Euro squad, I might have to leave. Um, United is a difficult one because... They're not a rival anymore, though, are they? Directly on the pitch? Potentially not. Phillips, when he arrived, we spoke to him in Houston and he'd been linked with United and he'd come from Leeds and he said explicitly, I was never going to join United. Mm. Um, and he was like, out of my loyalty to Leeds and... Uh, and Smith said the family, same. Uh, very comparable players as, as well. Um, so I, I don't think he will. He would go to United, but he also needs games. So does he, does he prioritise that over what he said before he's in a very different position from when he left Leeds and he was a sort of in demand now he's barely played over the last two years he needs games is United giving the best place for him though because they're under pressure every game well Pep said that Calvin Phillips thrives in the chaos doesn't he so maybe yeah I just I feel like there are better clubs for him Uh, I know Newcastle have said they don't want to sign him but somewhere like that where it's a bit more stable it's difficult isn't it because it's so easy to write a player off when they've I'm not going to say flopped but yeah. when they've not I'm going to say flopped when they've flopped <laughs> at a big team um, when they, when that's happened or they've not got it's not fulfilled the potential at a team like City it's easy to write them off and be like well yeah. he's crap he's not good enough but you, you could envisage that he goes to someone maybe like Aston Villa or somewhere or he went yeah. to somewhere who are just maybe this, this is insulting to Aston Villa but a team that's not sort of a top four caliber team won the chasing pack yeah. if he went there you could see him excelling again and people would be saying why didn't it work out at City sometimes yeah. it just doesn't work out like yeah you, you can see him playing for a sort of top half team doing really well going off and playing for England in the summer where we know he plays well because he fits in that system absolutely because he's, yeah. he's a very good player it's just every time he gets the ball for City he has to think about what to do and what Guardiola wants him to do he's always looked like a square peg in a round hole for City hasn't he he's so always... he plays it safe he, he doesn't yeah. do it naturally like Kovacic hasn't been at his best but he's fit in so much better and yeah. on, on Sunday he was a lot better and just knew what to do and when to drive forward and when to just play it play it simple so I think we're getting to the point where we probably have been for a while which is it's, it's not going to work out so it's maybe when he leaves rather than if especially after Guardiola says he can't envisage him in his team which is quite an important yeah, uh, requirement for a Guardiola player um, but it's just where he goes and who wants him and Juventus uh, are interested and the Italian media are really hyping that up so maybe that could be a, a complete change of change of scene that could help him but um, 
just from what he said in Houston, I would doubt that he would go to United, but a lot of things have changed in, in the following 18 months. Okay, so we've we mentioned Bob, mentioned Phillips. Anyone else before we wrap up that you expecting or you'd like to see? I want to see Rico Lewis do better than he did against Villa. What role would you like to see him in? I think he will play, well, I would guess he'll play right back to give Walker a rest, yeah. um, which is where he's a bit more natural. I don't think we can count a bad game against Villa against him because he's, he's, he's still, still a teenager. Kid, yeah. He's a very, very good teenager, but he's still, he's allowed to have a game where it just doesn't work. Um, so yeah, I think the amount of changes Pep makes will probably determine how well they do in terms of winning. Maybe he'll use, he'll go quite stronger than use the substitutes to, to bring on those players and rest that way. But um, yeah, maybe Sergio Gomez will come, come in off the, off the cold, but he's not really preferred him at, left back so will he play on the wing I'm not sure we will see won't we well thank you very much for joining us today on the Talking City podcast Joe not problem thank you very much as well wherever you are in the world as always please do check out the podcast on whichever on the video platforms the YouTube link will be below and make sure you leave us a review on whichever platform you stream us on make sure you subscribe and we will see you again next time Bye.